0: Kingway, Fox, lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Disco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Ford Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk.
1: About left. Edward is an idiot, Bark is dead, Wolf is
0: wet, Jackal's wearing red. Steed is cat,
1: can't that, Q is that enough of that. Be me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We, we talk about, about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to, to you on the streaming services now. We talk about the series. Come and cook the game. We go beyond the show now. We talk about the series. Come and join the cast. We sit and chat, and we go on and on and on and on. Well, good evening.
2: and trekkers around the globe you know what time it is it's trek talking thursday that's right it's thursday october 6 2022 7 30 p.m eastern daylight savings time that means we are live you can let your fingers do the walking and call trek talking right now at 646-668-2433 and you're definitely going to want to do that because we have a great show planned for you guys as always, first of all, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks, Hear All, and Trust Nothing. Um, There might be some DS9 cameos in this episode. I'm not really sure. Maybe. So you'll have to hang around for that. Oh, we have an episode of Shatner Says What? You're going to definitely want to stick around for that. We have convention calendar as well. We have our fan shoutouts. We have our Star Trek birthdays, and all of our great fun other stuff. But before we get started, I want to introduce to you my awesome Trek experts, and we'll start off with our, our
3: trifecta
2: from Portland with David, the donut guy, who didn't bring donuts this week. How are you doing tonight, David?
3: Pretty good. It was really yummy eating the macaroni,
2: but no donuts. No, we're going to say, don't, David, David, the macaroni guy, you you lost your donut Uh, guy, you're the macaroni guy now, (laughs) oh man,
3: next time I'll bring
2: pizza, Pizza. you'll be the pizza guy, and we also have with us Paul, he's also from Portland, he used to be the wine guy, but now he's the toy guy, how you doing Paul?
4: I'm doing well, man. I'm still the wine guy, too, right? I don't plan on, uh, you know, I believe that multiple personalities can coexist harmoniously. So I'm not giving, I'm not going to surrender any of those uh, monikers graciously. I'm going to hang on to wine guy and be toy guy, just depending on what the needs of the many may be in the, uh, in the very, you know, linear present. How's that for an answer? That's what i that's an answer because I'm working
2: on getting some more wines, so maybe you, you can don your wine guy
4: again and,
2: and blow the dust even off and bring him out. Even
4: as we speak, my friend, even as we speak right now, as we sit here chatting, it is New York Comic Con, and I have it on good authority from people on the floor that there is Star Trek Wines making an appearance ah. at New York comic-con and new corks and new flagons and new logos, new zany metallic, uh, you know, uh, decorations are being, you know, eyeballed for the first time. We need to explore those ourselves here in I the uh, re- giant uh, studio.
2: Absolutely. We do, We need to do this. And we also <laughs> have from Portland as well. It's gotta be something in the water our very own Eric. How you doing, Eric?
0: Oh, man, I am doing really good, you guys. It is a beautiful day, and I enjoy being wine guy slash toy guy adjacent. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I also function, of course, as your chief entertainment officer here uh, on the USS Truck Talking. So uh, happy to be here once again for yet another awesome podcast. If and the, the boat needs changing 80's. in the
4: projector, Eric is on it. That's right, he's better than Scotty
2: He's a miracle worker <laughs> A, B, C, or D <laughs> And last
1: mm-hmm. but not least
2: Out in Las Vegas we have our very own Charles How you doing tonight Charles?
0: Oh, Charles? Charles, Uh-oh, can you hear a us? Charles. We
4: are trying to reach you a,
0: frequencies uh, are open. Are.
4: Communications. Are you trapped uh, uh, under a roulette wheel or a uh, baccarat table
0: in Las Vegas? You Is, know what's going on. We
4: dabo. may have gotten like
0: playing Dabo. Yeah,
4: yeah. All it right. sounds well, like he can, can hear have... us, but, but we can't hear Charles. So uh, no, uh, uh, uh,
0: All right. Well. <laughs> technical difficulties. We'll have to.
4: That was something. I just heard something. Was it a ghost? What was that? Turn it on and off.
2: All right. Well, uh, Charles can, can hear us, but we can't hear Charles. So while we're working on those technical difficulties, hopefully Charles will chime in as soon as uh, he's able to. So let's get now. That Charles out of the does way.
4: live sort of near Area Fifty One, right? I mean, in the uh, yes, the, the so-called yes. UFO Highway. So I'm guessing that there's a lot of occasional extraterrestrial traffic that could interfere with his uh, connectivity, oh, yeah. right? That's For that's sure. my well, thing. you never know, right?
1: Groom Lake, all oh,
4: that stuff. Highway. So, you know,
2: it's possible. Yeah. Very possible. Frequent. So, and, uh, sweet. Uh, we have 118,549 downloads as of right now. You can find all of our shows at podpage.com backslash trek-talking. And uh, there's uh, almost 500 shows available there. 486, I believe. We're approaching 500, so you can check us out there. You can also visit us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com backslash talking and beyond. You have to spell that all out. And if you go there, you will find 114,264 followers on our Facebook page, which is absolutely awesome. And you can be one of our followers. If you just go over there to our Facebook page, at the top of the page, you will see the Live Long and Prosper. And a question that says... Where are y'all listening from? Just go in there, drop us a line, and tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means you have been chosen for a future fan shout-out, and your name will be forever immortalized alive amongst the stars as not only a supporter of Trek Talking, but a Star Trek fan as well. So let's dive in and get our fan shout-out
0: started. So, Eric. Who's on your list that you want to say hello to? Oh, our number one fan shout-out this week goes out to top fan Erwin Meerman, all the way from Flischingen in the Netherlands, uh, one of those places I'd love to visit. So, Erwin, thank you so much for listening to us and for carrying that Trek Talking flag right there uh, in the center of lots of fun places uh, to check out on the globe. We're also saying hello this week and sending out our love to Fiona Brown, who is from Glasgow, but is currently living in Durham, North Carolina. Ooh, uh, that is where Duke University is, I believe. And uh, I helped design part of the Perkins Library on the campus there. So go check it out there, Fiona Brown, next time you're on campus. And thank you for listening to Trek Talking. We're also saying hello this week and sending out a mighty kapla to top fan Michael Pesky from Verpital in Germany. That's right, Verpital, which is right near the Rhine there. Uh, if you don't know the name of that area, well, maybe you know Essen and Dusseldorf. Basically, same area. So, Michael, thank you so much for listening to us. And my final fan shout-out this week goes out to De Pascali Andrea from the Cifisberg by the Swiss Alps. That's right. Oh, that's only 28 wow. kilometers southeast of Bern. And, and, man, that looks like some beautiful country. I was looking at some photos online of Spiesberg, and, oh, dude, looks beautiful. Looks beautiful. Couldn't uh, couldn't want to go there more. So, Charles, uh, what parts of the globe would you like to shout out? Well, first of all, can you hear me? Yeah. What? So <laughs> well, who? What? Well,
5: yeah, that once was I up. had to, con- I had to hang up and try again. Let's
1: first start off, with
5: jo- Let's start off with John Anderson, Alabama. Linda Clark in Southern California. Ellen Vandover in Southern California, Arizona, Oregon. Let's just say Ellen moved around a lot. And Robert Cadell from Springfield, Illinois. David, who's on your list?
3: Well, I'd like to give a shout out for uh, Tim Balkinghouse from Hannibal, Missouri. <clears throat> Top fan, Kerman Fincher from Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I'm from Enterprise, Oregon. Represent. <laughs> <is laughs> <laughs> uh next on the list is Robert Shirley from Kentucky. Uh Carl and the next one is Carla Talley from Chimacum, Washington. And Paul, who's on your list?
4: I'm just glad I didn't get Chimacum, Washington. I don't wanna worry about pronouncing that one with the ten foot pole. So uh just <laughs> Moving on, I'd like to give a great big trek talk and welcome to De Luis Salceda in Phenomenal Guadalajara, Mexico. Guadalajara is amazing, kind of midway between Mexico City and uh, Puerto Vallarta. It is a stunning uh, place with one of the greatest cathedrals you will ever see in your life. Absolutely amazing, um, a center for art and all kinds of wonderful things. So it is. Excellent to hear from you, Luis. I hope you're having a fantastic time. Also, big truck talking. Hello to uh, Riche Descends from the French suburb of Paris. Wonderful Paris. Oh, how I feel it calling to me from across the globe. I must visit France. I must visit Paris. Oh, I must consume all of the cheese, cheese and wine. I can find. <laughs> I am sort of obsessed with French uh, things is because I have, A, never been there, and B, have a lot of French uh, DNA in my system. So I, I feel the older I get, there's that weird salmon spawning thing, a la a mock time, calling me for some <laughs> strange reason to visit France. To so. <laughs> exactly. Rich de on maybe I will be rubbing elbows with you in a Parisian bookstore or bakery at some point. I sure hope so, but thank you for contacting us, and thank you for listening. On the other end of the globe, in uh, Breeby Island, uh, Queensland, in the great continent of Australia, hello to Ray Davidson. Thank you so much for making sure that the Coriolis effect is spinning in the right direction with equal parts <laughs> up and down Star Trek enthusiasm, because without you, Ray, I don't think we'd be spinning as harmoniously oh. as we would be. So thanks, Ray. It is awesome that you are out there. Blushing, Lastly for blushing
5: me to balance the world.
4: <laughs> it's, it's important. It's important. Ray's doing a service, man. Yeah. Ray's doing all kinds of important stuff for us. Okay. Now, my next shout-out here in the Netherlands uh, has got – there are so many wonderful uh, uh, emojis here. I hope I can keep up. I believe I'm seeing wooden shoes and a wooden axe, tulips, cheese, and, of course, the flag of the Netherlands. That's what I'm seeing in terms of this emoji potpourri from our friend Nanushka Stokov in the Netherlands, a.k.a. Holland – that's a lot of Trek talking and enthusiasm, my friend. So, again, uh, as Eric uh, opined earlier, you are living in one of the fabulous places on the earth. And hopefully uh, some of your Trek talking friends will get to come visit you someday. So some wonderful mm-hmm. places, always encouraging and inspiring. It, the, the world's crazy sometimes, right? It is truly crazy and nuts. And it can be a little despairing. But this segment of the show always makes me feel really good because it reminds us that we are a global community and that uh, people all over the planet have things in common and that we have the same passion and enthusiasm for Star Trek with people in common who speak different languages all over the planet. It's a wonderful thing. I love this segment. It's the best from Australia to Paris to Alabama to Mexico. You are all part of the same family, friends, and we've all got uh, a lot of things we love. That we share, which is a wonderful thing. Jim, who would you like to say hello to? Well,
2: we're going to bring things back a little local here, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, our buddy Ray is listening right now because Ray calls us from the Bronx in New York. Represent, and maybe just maybe, Ray might know our next talking fan, and that would be Eddie Vera. So, hopefully, Rayo and Vero Bronx represent a uh, top fan, Francine Shambliss, who's from Brooklyn, New York. Yes, Brooklyn. I uh, spent my summer in Brooklyn, 3rd Street, between 5th and 6th Avenue. On a clear day, I could sit on the stoop and see the Statue of Liberty, and I'd go down to King's Pizza, best pizza in the world, King's Pizza, on 5th Avenue, Brooklyn. Thank you for listening to Francine Chambliss. We also want to say kappa to Vince Woodward, who's listening to us in Indianapolis, Indiana. And last but definitely not least, we want to say live long and prosper. John Silcox, who's listening to us in Hendersonville. And that, my friend, wraps up our fan shout-out. We are truly, truly global. It's a global family. Awesome. If you'd like to hear yourself on a future fan shout-out, head over to the Facebook page, drop us a little note, and once we listen to them, look for a community from yours truly. All right, guys, for another part of the show. It's my birthday, before we get to that, i we'll to get to this.
1: so-gonna so-gonna
3: was not a clean
2: on song all right guys this is a part of the show where we do our star trek birthdays but we always like to start off our chart Trek birthdays by remembering those who sadly enough are no longer with us and for that we turn to eric
0: yeah, Jim. Uh, this week we have several members of our Star Trek community who we are going to remember. Uh, our number one uh, remembrance goes out this week to the Doctor, who I was embarrassed about. Uh, I don't know, three months ago I could life of my, uh, and uh, that is John Hoyt, uh, who of course played Doctor Phil Boyce in the TOS first pilot episode of the Cage. Um, which, of course, was then brought back in the menagerie, which, of course, then was brought back in the disco episode, If Memory Serves. And uh, John was also a graduate of Yale, believe it or not, uh, you know, was a stand-up comedian and a teacher of history before he joined a theater company in 1937. And unfortunately, he died of lung cancer at the age of 85. An interesting fact, um, it's believed that his participation in the 1956 film, The Conqueror led to his demise because 91 members of that film's cast and crew contracted cancer and 46 of those died of the disease believed to be resulting uh, from filming near a nuclear weapons test site in Nevada. So uh, John Hoyt uh, terribly lost, but he did live to 85 and did serve as a very cool doctor. In fact, the first official doctor to serve alcohol to his captain uh, as a uh, as a bit of medicine. So,
4: <laughs> may the tradition long continue.
0: Yeah, thanks, Doc Boyce. Uh, yeah, we hope to have more of that in the future. <laughs> uh, happy birthday, John Hoyt. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Skip Homeyer, who had two roles in Star Trek. Uh, he was, of course, in the TOS. Uh, episode Patterns of Force as the deputy fearer, Melikon, uh, very uncomfortable character for me to look at, uh, but, of course, very effective because of that, and also uh, served as the crazy sort of fish-eared Dr. Severin in The Way to Eden, uh, Melikon being the occasion of the Nazi-ish planet, and Severin, of course, is a Tiberonian um, and most of Skip's uh, other credits were in westerns and war films, um, and when he played Doc Severn with those crazy ears, that was not his first experience with prosthetics. He had worn them previously in 1964 in an episode of The Outer Limits called yes! Expanding Human, which also, that particular, that particular episode, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, Paul, but that particular episode mm. also featured somebody else from Star Trek. Guess who? James I'm guessing Shadrard or Nimoy. It was James Doohan. Can you believe it? Scotty Which also one? was in The Outer Limits. James Doohan. Expanding Human. Expanding Human. But who is the actor? James
4: Doohan. James Doohan. No kidding. Wow, that's good. Yep. Have you watched a lot of those Outer Limits, man?
0: I have. Yes, I've watched all such the phones from back in the day and I've watched all the outer limits from back in the day. So yeah. I'm yeah. I'm just making um, sure, Herbert. That's all.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, and that leaps right
0: into tonight. I love it. <laughs> all right, well Happy, happy birthday, Skip Homeyer. Uh we're also saying happy birthday this week to Harriet C. Leiter, who played Of course, Amari in TNG's episode Unification 2, Amari being the musician with the four hands who played piano um, and had some sort of fetish for licking salt, uh, if I remember right. Uh, Harriet also appeared in uh, several television shows uh, throughout the 80s and 90s, Uh, and including Jim, uh, something tied to a series that you really like, which is uh, the Alien Nation movie. Alienation Nation Millennium in nineteen ninety six.
2: Uh Harriet yes. was
0: in that. So there you go. And that's the uh, scene where War
2: does his Klingon Opera. Malota. Yes, Malota. That's that's where that mm-hmm. came from. She uh, was playing so Yeah.
0: She was. Yep, yep. She had a she had a thing for Klingon Opera. So uh thank you, Harriet. Uh and happy birthday. Also saying happy birthday this week to Morgan Farley, uh, who appears on TOS in Return of the Archons as Hacom and also as Yang Scholar on the Omega Glory. Um, he played a ton of mostly small parts throughout his career, uh, was an officer during the Second World War in the Army. Um, and uh, the thing is, is a lot of his records from that time are actually hard to find because... Uh, they were destroyed during a major fire at a federal records building in 1973. So uh, details on Morgan Farley are a little hard to find these days, but uh, we do know that he was in those two episodes and did a fantastic job. So happy birthday to Morgan Farley. Also saying happy birthday this week to Madeline Rue, was in the episode Space Seed as Lieutenant Marla McGivers. That's right, the... Marla McGivers, um, ship's historian, if I remember right, had a fetish for uh, Alexander the Great and Napoleon and all those guys. Um, She made over 100 television appearances in her career and, interestingly enough, intersected with Ricardo Montalban a couple of times after Star Trek. Um, They were reunited on an episode of Fantasy Island. um, And uh, she also played his wife on an episode of Bonanza back in the day. Um, Unfortunately, she she was eventually uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, um, and she was actually originally going to appear in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which would have been super cool, but her disease prevented her um, from doing so, and so they actually wrote her out of the script of that movie, Um, and unfortunately, we lost her to that disease back in 2003, so... I never Definitely. knew this. That's
4: that's amazing, man. That's
0: wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we could have had McGivers in Star Trek too, but um but MS just took her too early, so a um, wow. sad story, but but man, we sure do enjoy the stuff that we did get from her, right? Um, just uh, and the fact that she got to work with Ricardo Montalban multiple times, I think, is kind of special too. And so and they were spouses 19-
4: on a Bonanza episode as well. <laughs> they were, yeah.
3: Believe it or not, I gotta uh, hunt that down, man. That's
4: that's a yeah. wild that's a wild bit of trivia, man. That is amazing. <laughs> wow. So there you go. Um, eric is quite the detective man you find all these great nuggets that are just so cool
0: well i try to i try to make it interesting you know because i know you guys enjoy it and uh, hopefully the listeners enjoy it too so we all uh,
4: yeah all, we all learn so much man it's great and it's just a w- wonderful way to uh, pay homage and respect to these folks who've you know already set sail uh, by learning a little yeah. something about them
0: right that's so cool it, it's really enjoyable for me to go back and just kind of sit and read about them for a while and kind of absorb who they were as a person. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thanks, Paul. Uh, also saying happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances this week to Charles Drake, who played Commodore Stalker in the TOS episode, The Deadly Years. Um, Stalker was that commanding officer who reluctantly was sent to Starbase 10, uh, had always served behind a desk before then. Um, and Charles Drake served, uh, you know, in a bunch of uh, television shows back in the day, uh, a lot of the series Manix, which I have not seen at all, but uh, many, <laughs> many biographies reference Mannix. So uh, I assume it was an influential television show back in the day. Um, he was also uh, in another well, he's got kind of a connection with William Shatner in that William Shatner reshot an episode of Manic four years, no, six years after Charles Drake did with a very similar plot and different characters, but basically he reprised his role, which is kind of fun. So um, Charles Drake would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Charles Drake. Also saying happy birthday this week to David, or as most people call him, Dave Somerville. Uh, that's right. Dave was in TOS as Lieutenant Larry Matson in *The Conscience of the King*. Um, if you want to look him up on uh, Memory Alpha, he's credited as David Dash Troy. Not sure why that is the case. Didn't have time to look that up. Uh, but uh, he was the guy who actually was sort of listening to Uhura when she plays the harp uh, in *The Conscience of the King*, right? And, uh, or not when she plays the harp, when she sings, I'm sorry. Uh, other people are playing music, uh, when she's singing Beyond Antares. And, um, she, or excuse me, he actually had studied acting at the same time as Leonard Nimoy at the same school, if you could believe that or not. And he co-wrote the theme song for the ABC hit series, The Fall Guy. I know you know that one, right, Tim? The Fall Guy. (laughs) So happy birthday to Dave Somerville. Uh, Happy birthday also to Persis Kambata, the woman who first made me believe that bald can be beautiful, a beautiful uh, Indian slash Parsi actress uh, who in 1965 at only age 17 was named Miss India and also competed for the Miss Universe pageant. And she had kind of a career where she bounced back and forth between the U.S., And India, um, Bollywood never worked out for her. She tried a bunch of roles in the U.S., kind of went back and did some more stuff in India, then eventually ended up uh, back in the U.S. um, And unfortunately died of a massive heart attack at only 49 years old. So uh, Persis Kambata died uh, way too early. Uh, And, of course, everyone will remember her. Uh, from Star Trek The Motion Picture, I just realized I did not actually mention her character as the character of Ilea, who at the end is joined with Decker and Zeger to sort of become something cool and new. Um, so happy birthday, Persis Kambada. Also happy birthday to Abraham Sofar, who played uh, the Thalasian in the episode Charlie X from the original series, and also was the voice of the Melkotian inspector of the gun uh, back in the day. Uh, um, actor from Burma, often cast as a Native American, and he is one of only 14 actors uh, in Star Trek to have been born in the 19th century. Abraham so far, just one of them. So happy birthday to him. And finally, our last remembrance this week goes out to actor Ed Long, who, of course, played Nidro in QS's episode, The Cloudminders. Um, not a lot of information out there on Ed Long, but I do know that he was uh, on Shirley Temple's storybook and also on Mannix and uh, was previously married to actress Linda Long and is a proud Korean War vet. So Ed Long would have had a birthday this week. And that, you guys, closes out our remembrances for this week. They are myriad, but there are some really good ones in there. Um, And as Paul was saying, we all love remembering those who have gone before us.
4: It's
0: true, my friend. It's true. Yeah. So uh, let's continue with birthdays for the next phase. So, Charles, who do you have for us?
5: Let's start off with James Gleason, who
4: played
5: Dr. Apollinary in TNG's Time Arrow. Also did quite a few soap operas and the CBS, uh, episode of CBS School Break Special. William A. Wallace played older Wesley, uh, the older Wesley Crusher, in TNG's "Hide and Q." Only has a few roles that I found on him, including was a cop in Beverly Hills Cop, and appeared in Born in the Fourth of July. Esty Chandler played O'Lillian Mirren in TNG's Coming of Age. After her, also, only a few roles, including CBS's School Break Special. Bridget White played Laurel in DS9's Who Mourns for Mourn. She was a competitive competitive gymnast. And did a lot of regional theaters, did quite a few TV's, TV shows, and soap operas. Joel Polis was Nai Tela in Boys time at time and again. Had a scholarship in gymnastics at USC, but got the acting bug. Her Paula Paul, likes one. He was Fugit in the thing. Also was in T.J. Hooker, Cheers, and CBS Spring, School Break School Break Special. Michael Durrell played General Hazard in DS9 Sanctuary. Many TV shows. Jim will like this. He was in V both. I think all three TV series of The V showed up in yeah. Soap, uh, was in Sister Act, and did one of the CBS School Break specials. Kira Gulix Gull- yeah. played Rose in DS- Discovery's New Eden. That was season two, episode two, with the church and only has about four roles in IMDb so far. So she's an up and coming actress. So Paul, who's on your list?
4: All kinds of good folks, Charles. Let's uh, start off by wishing a very happy birthday to actress Antoinette Bauer uh, from the, we're in October now. So this particular appearance is very uh, relevant uh, because uh, Antoinette played the character of Sylvia in the original series episode Cat's Paw, which was, uh, I think, aired in a Halloween episode, if I remember correctly. That's uh, mm-hmm. with good old Korob there, the uh, the wizard. Uh, is he or is he something else? Are he and Sylvia not what they appear with their miniaturized <laughs> enterprise? You tell me. But uh, <laughs> made a striking appearance and... Uh, Set all kinds of great halloween nonsense in motion in that episode back in the 60s there so happy birthday ms bauer your star trek legacy lives on i love this next uh greeting here uh happy birthday to actress natalia nogalik uh who played uh wait for it next gen folks admiral necheyev admiral alina necheyev did uh several appearances of that character um uh, Next gen, at least the ones I'm thinking of, would be the the mighty two part chain of command episode with yeah. David Warner, probably one of the best top two parters in Next gen history. And if you want to see Patrick Stewart doing some of his greatest acting, there you go. She also appeared in Journey's End, uh, and uh, appeared on Deep Space Nine episodes uh, in. The Marquis, which I think was a, a two-parter, if I recollect. So a lot of uh, Star Trek legacy there for that particular admiral. And a lot of times I know Eric's talking about evil admirals and folks who let power corrupt them, but not Admiral Necheyev. She's just sort of, you know, <laughs> bringing those nece- hard necessities to bear, right? I'm sorry he to does. tell you this, John Luke, but this just needs to be done, and you need yeah. to do it. It's just, yeah. it's just kind of the... The, the voice of reason in upper management. So there you are. But uh, a great representation. We always love to see uh, the fact that you know, we have a lot of representations of uh, women in the big chair in Star Trek, which is a, a fabulous thing and I think embodied no better than Admiral Nechev as an authority. So wonderful stuff. Happy birthday goes out also to Michelle Krusek played the older version of Molly O'Brien in the Deep Space Nine episode, Time's Orphan, because we saw lots of different versions of uh, the different characters. Happy birthday as well to uh, another Deep Space Nine actor, uh, Duncan Rager, who played uh, Shakar Adon in the episode Shakar of Deep Space Nine. Also Crossfire and the Begotten. And in Next Gen, uh, the episode "Subrosa" played Ronan. Uh that's an episode a lot of people uh, love to think about uh, for various reasons, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sub Rosa. Love to <laughs> Yeah, Eric knows what I'm talking about. Clearly. I'm not, I'm that's not, a great way Eric, to put it, Paul. Word, now, Eric, you've said <laughs> the word fetish at least twice tonight, so I'm going to leave you alone. All right? I at least twice that I can document with everyone else. Hey, on this, on hey, listen,
0: way. there's I'm, nothing wrong with a girl lighting a candle and enjoying some time alone. Come no, <laughs> there's not.
4: There's absolutely nothing. It should be strongly encouraged, I firmly believe. So, there you go. But, Duncan, you you have a very, uh, your Star Trek legacy casts a very long shadow, my friend. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, that's not a quip. It's just truth. So, there you are. Happy birthday, also, to Adil Hussein, who played Adit yeah, Sahil in Discovery Season 3. I'm not getting we love an episode. You, Sahil. Of, I'm not getting a episode, so perhaps multiple appearances? I'm not oh, sure. Oh, yeah,
3: Sahil.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recurring current character, I, right? A uh, current character,
3: Tia yeah. Sahil? Bridge Crew? Am I yes. right?
0: Okay, just making sure. Uh, that, well, no. Sahil is... No, he's not bridge crew. He's the guy who is like manning the uh, the first place that Burnham goes to the where the uh, it's not Starfleet is it Starfleet headquarters? Is Starfleet headquarters? Yeah. Right? He's the one who like mans the desk by himself and first kind of brings out the flag to Burnham and that kind of stuff. So oh, it's the start back. of yeah.
4: season three. So just like a couple. Yeah.
0: Of yeah. Episodes, right. Yeah. The
4: beginning
1: and the end. end. And the yeah, end. Yeah. So okay. He, you know,
4: Yep. They brought yeah, it back Well, I'm so used to the episode title references, right? So I'm like it's it's uh I was denied. Oh.
0: Many, <laughs> right. many
4: episodes. Many he, episodes, did a lot of episodes of this. Yep. Many, many. Many, many, numerous appearances that have cemented your place in the firmament of that is Star Trek Discovery. Happy birthday, Adil Hussein. And happy birthday to Wendy Roby, In D Space Nine episode Destiny played Ulani Bellor. And finally for me, uh the actor who played Saul in the Enterprise episode Borderland, Cold Station 12, and The Augments. That's a triple whammy there. Oh, Fernando so Funancian played the character of Saul in those three-episode yeah. arc of... I believe that's an arc. I think they're all linked together.
0: That is an arc. If, uh, yeah. if
4: Eric's... Uh, Eric's Enterprise uh, zeal is uh, not escaping me. So happy birthday, Fernando, and to all of our wonderful cast members across the franchise in the various uh, arms, the various seasons. What am I trying to say? Series. The various series (laughs) the franchise. There's so many spokes of the wheel in Star Trek now, it's very easy to get confused. So there you have it. And I will pass the flaming birthday candle of... uh, gigantic enormity to uncle Jim.
2: Well, I've got seven birthdays left to go through and then we can move on. And I got to say, after, after talking to Philo Barnhart on Monday, I went back and watched star Trek, the motion picture. Did any of you guys do the same thing? Maybe
4: not after Monday, but I'd watched it pretty recently, like within the last week and a half before.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I went back and and rewatched it. So, uh, to catch some of the things that he pointed out. And uh, speaking of Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, we already remembered um, Lieutenant Ilea, who passed away. But we do have a birthday from somebody who was in Star Trek, the motion picture, who is still with us. We'd like to say happy birthday to Stephen Collins, who played commander slash captain Willard Deckard in Star Trek, the motion picture, the son of Commodore Decker, who flew his starship into the doomsday machine happy birthday uh, we also want to say happy birthday to hannah cheeseman is it uncle jim who in the hell is hannah cheeseman well i'm gonna tell you hannah cheeseman played lieutenant commander Arium, but only in the second season of discovery before they killed her the original actress who played her who played lieutenant ariam was sarah mitch and she just couldn't to deal with the makeup, she was having a reaction so she came back as Lieutenant Nielsen so Lieutenant Arium is still with us technically on the bridge crew of Discovery but as a different character, Lieutenant Nielsen but we want to say happy birthday to Hannah Cheeseman who brought her to life and brought her to death so happy birthday to Hannah Cheeseman we'd also like to say happy birthday to Lindsay Stoddard who played um, in the Enterprise episode The Chosen Realm and, and And we want to say happy birthday to Leonard Kelly Young, who played Sonara on Enterprise episode, The Cold Front. Next one, to me, because I had her, I booked her for her very, very first Star Trek convention. And she was so shocked at the love and outpouring that she got from Star Trek fans. Um, I'm sure she's done many, many conventions since then. But we want to say happy birthday to the one, the only Commander Shelby from TNG, the best Woo! of both worlds, Elizabeth Dennehy. So happy birthday! Just, to, and I'll tell you a little story. When she came to our convention, yeah. only headshot that she had available was the the headshot of Shelby with her hair kind of up in that that funky little bun deal. She hated that mm-hmm. picture. Worst mm-hmm. picture ever. She it, but it was the only picture. That they had available for her, so she hated it. But she signed it, and I'm sure if you go to see her at convention today, you won't find that picture on her table because she hates it that much. So happy birthday, well, Lizzie.
0: and Jim, like her, like uh, Necheyev like two women who just kind of like took the reins when they needed to take the reins. And I, I know a lot of people think that Shelby was kind of salty and maybe overstepped her bounds and that kind of thing. But the thing was is that she was a freaking expert. So she was actually brought in to do the specific things that she was supposed to do. Um, And in a lot of ways, Nechev I think was the same thing. So it's kind of fun that they both have birthdays this week.
2: Well, they did mention Shelby on on lower decks. Didn't they mention captain Shelby? Yes. I think they did. Captain
5: Shelby and her number one.
2: That's right. I I thought they They were at the party. Yep, they were at the party that Outrageous O'Connor was, was yeah. uh, DJing at. So I always save the Klingons for last, guys, and uh, tonight is no exception to that rule. Although the next guy did play a Klingon. Absolutely he did. That's why I'm saving him for the end. But I think most people will know him as Hawk, right? I would say. But, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Hawk. Yeah, for sure. I, I think people
2: know him as Hawk. Uh, but they also <laughs> might know him as maybe the emissary to the prophets. Maybe. Mm-hmm. If they don't know him mm-hmm. as that.
1: Maybe
2: you might know him as Captain Benjamin Sisko of the USS Defiant. And I'm talking about none other than Avery Brooks. So happy birthday to Avery Brooks. And, yes, he did play a Klingon. Um And it actually, actually, Leslie Hoffman, the one and only Leslie Hoffman, uh, has told the story on the podcast many times about the fact that she can always see through people and through the makeup and knows who they are. When they made up Avery Brooks as a Klingon on Deep Space Nine, she didn't even recognize him until he said, hello, Leslie. And she knew the voice right away, but (laughs) couldn't see the face through the makeup, so... That's pretty cool. And last (laughs) on my list is an honest to god Klingon, a real Klingon, a hundred percent Klingon. Well, not exactly, a fifty percent Klingon,
1: (laughs) (laughs) fifty percent Klingon, (laughs) and (laughs) fifty percent (laughs) Romulan.
2: How is that for a a makeup? There, fifty percent Klingon, Uh fifty percent Romulan. I guess she's only half a waste of skin and half. Honourless, I guess. I'm not sure how that would work out.
0: Uh, uh, there's there's so many cultural implications there. So many.
2: Yeah, and if you are if you remember the episode, Worf Worf was in love with this with this Klingon. was totally enamored by her. And was going to run off with her until he I found mean, he out. she was She she was, but when he found out that she had pointed ears behind that hair, <sighs> and that she was half Romulan. The racist wharf came out and broke it all off, and that was the end. Yeah, of it,
0: and, the thing is, and the thing is, Jim, is we had seen the racist wharf before that, and it had yeah. kind of been forgotten. And then in Birthright, it's, like, really brought to the forefront, right? They explore that as a plot thing and as a character trait of wharf. And it's kind of one of those things that, in my mind, is never actually resolved about wharf. Like, wharf is always kind of a little bit racist all the way to the end as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he's,
2: he, yes, he, he's anti-Romulan right to the bitter end. So uh, we want to say happy birthday to, and and bla and Jolantru, to Jennifer Gotti, who played Bael in TNG's episode Birthright Part 1 and Part 2, but she did come back and play Libby in the Voyager episode Non-Sequitur. So that wraps up our birthdays, guys. I hope you enjoyed our birthday rant. I always have fun with the birthdays. It gives us a chance to remember those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us, and talk about some episodes and some other characters that maybe we forgot about or who slipped through the cracks and gives us a chance to go back and say, ah, I remember that one. So well, that wraps up our birthdays. So now that brings us up to dun-dun-dun-dun <laughs> with
0: our convention calendar. All right. Uh, I'm kicking off the convention calendar with Nishi Fest. Nishi Fest is going to be November 4th through the 5th at the eSports Stadium in Ar- uh, Arlington and Expo Center in beautiful Arlington, Texas. So go check out Nishi Fest early November. Same weekend if you're not in the Arlington, Texas area, Perhaps you're up in the great northwest in Richmond, BC. Uh, you can go check out Halloween <laughs> at the executive hotel Vancouver Airport. I have been at that particular hotel many, many times. So <laughs> go check out Halloween. I'm sure it's going to be a scream of a ton. And you can, uh, if you're not there, perhaps you're up in the great northeast. You can go to New Jersey uh, to the J1Con same weekend, November 4th through the 6th at the Showboat in beautiful Atlantic City. David, which cons are you tracking this week? Can somebody uh, tell me re-
2: what is J1? Is that a reference that I should know? Is that a, some sci-fi reference or a Doctor Who reference or something that, that I should know and just don't know? What is, what is uh, J- I'm not
0: one? sure. I, I'm not sure, but I do know that this particular con is known for animation and gaming, and so a lot of people will like dress up as characters from like games or that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure what J1 particularly means, but I do know that it's it's sort of a con for gamers. Okay, that's cool. Huh. That's cool. All
2: right, David, what do you
4: oh. got for us? Hey, I, I got information for you, Big Jim. If you're All curious, right. J one is a reference to J one studios. Okay. It's an animation production company. They're famous for creating super bounty. J one lime rind, the rogue samurai, mega Ron, random lyricist, angel savior, Zio, Nexus, and Arcana 10. So there it's a go. huge convention uh, that honors the work of that studio. It makes. Sense. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. All right, David, you, you got, you got to follow that up. So take it away, buddy.
3: Okay. Uh, so, my first one on the list is a Rhode Island Comic-Con from November 4th through the 6th at the Woo-hoo! Rhode Island Convention Center in Amica Mutual Pavilion. And, I have been to that I,
0: Comic-Con before, and, and, and it's not a bad time at all. Uh, they have a pretty decent venue there. Uh, I actually think that maybe has changed a little bit, but I've been there multiple times. and. Providence is kind of one of those cool cities that's a little bit of a surprise—not one that you would think of to visit. But they've got some cool stuff. That downtown's real nice. They guys, must have changed guys. the
2: name. Last time I was there, it was the Dunkin' Donuts Arena. Now it's the Amica Mutual yeah. Pavilion. It's one of
0: those places <laughs> that changes. It changes with the wind, Jim. With the wind,
2: it, it must. It must. <laughs>
3: All right, and next on my list is the Berkeley Comic Con show. Uh one day only on November fifth at the Berkeley Adult School in Berkeley, California. And the next one is Unicon from the fourth to the sixth of November at the expo at World Market Center, Las Vegas, Nevada. Charles will have to be our –
2: check that one out for us. (laughs) If
5: I get there.
2: If he gets there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Paul's got some interesting ones. I
4: sure do. Should I go next?
2: Absolutely.
4: (laughs) All right, then, friends. Well, giddy up, bronies, because November 4th through 6th, In San Antonio, Texas, it's Pony Friends Forever 2022 at the Drury Plaza Hotel, San Antonio, North Stone Oak. That's right. You can get your craziest costumes on and celebrate all things that are beautiful, friendship and magic, at Pony Friends Forever 2022. San Antonio, you just have nothing but love in your heart. That's all I know. Have a fantastic con there in the early part of uh, November. So there you go. Uh, That same week, November 4th through 6th in Hampton, Virginia, it is NikoCon 2022. That's another big anime convention. Um, It is actually Virginia's oldest anime convention. And the name comes from the Japanese word Niko, meaning cat. So there you go. We're all learning things everywhere. And this next con is one that I can tell you will be so heavily attended, it boggles the mind. But on November 5th, a few miles north of our current location at the Seattle Convention Center, it's Geek Girl Con 2022. Because that is something you can forget about microbrews. You can forget about, you know, uh, tulips and apples and produce and all the things you associate with the Pacific Northwest. What we produce in bodacious quantities more than any other place on the planet is geek girls okay that's what the pacific northwest is infamously True. famous for eric am i exaggerating even a
0: tad not not one bit not one bit and the fact that this entire con is dedicated to that i think is testament to that paul
4: absolutely so it's like i'm telling you it's like there's all kinds of amazing humans coming together there geek girls you are the future of this planet let me just spell that out in case there's any doubt in your mind uh, take control <laughs> and burn this patriarchy down to the ground. Okay, friends? That's what I want to see from I'm you. Board. All right? Plan. Execute. Take over. That con is is mission zero. <laughs> so make it happen. I hope it's an incredible experience for all of you. And now we'll spin the compass wheel weather vane to our friend Charles. Charles, who you conning up this week.
5: Well, let's just start off with uh, November 5th. You can go to Bordertown, New Jersey, to Pulp Adventure, ta- Adventure, Con. Homes to Suites by Hilton Bordertown. Or you can go to Eustis, Florida, to st- Sci-Fi Pop Fest, Lake County Fairgrounds. Or you can go to Columbus, Ohio, to the Tour Gaming Expo, Ohio Expo Center, the 6th building, all three November 5th. So, Jim, yeah. I bet we got some news.
2: Lots and lots of conventions to go to. And speaking of which, uh, a little bit later on in the show, I went down to Super Mega Fest over the weekend, and I'm going to tell you guys all about it. So right now, run off to the bathroom, get your chicken wings from the microwave, But don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
0: Hi there. This is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans. And we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash beyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage.
2: All right, guys, and we're back. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Let your fingers do the walk-in and call Trek Talking. Right now, it's time for Star
3: Trek News. Priority
0: one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
3: Incoming transmission.
0: Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete.
1: Blank alert.
2: Blank alert. All right, guys. All of the stories that we're about to talk about in our Star Trek news section can be found in their entirety on our Facebook page. I've just broken them down a little bit to make them as quick as possible for this podcast.
0: So, uh, Eric... You get to start us off with one of our favorite segments. Well, my very favorite and number one segment that we get to kick it off with tonight is Shatner says, what? That's right. The star who keeps on giving William Shatner slams Star Trek co-stars says, they are the problem, not me. The original Star Trek series debuted 56 years ago, but some tension from the set is still being rehashed today. William Shatner talked about his Star Trek co-stars and the fact that some of them found him to be difficult to work with, including one recent de- recently deceased cast member. The 91-year-old actor, who has a new book of personal essays coming out, deflected blame for the situation, saying, quote, I think they are the problem, not me. James Doohan, who played Scotty, said of the actor in 1998, quote, I like Captain Kirk, but I sure don't like Bill. He's so insecure, and all I can think about is him, or all he can think about is himself. Walter Koenig, who played Pavel Chekhov, said that Shatner was, quote, fun on the original series, but added, to be sure, every shot was set up so that he be in the foreground. He just automatically blocked it that way, and as I said before, the directors just went along with it. Koenig added, but he was civil. Never got the sense that he wanted to be any sort of, or wanted to be any of the supporting actors' pal. Most notably, Shatner has had a decades-long feud with Hikaru Sulu actor George Takei. They have been exchanging harsh words in the press for years. In fact, in 2015, Takei told the New York Times, quote, it's difficult working with someone who is not a team player. The rest of the cast all understand what makes a scene work. It's everybody contributing to it. The bill is a wonderful actor, and he knows it, and he likes to have the camera all on him all the time. In his USA Today interview, Shatner was asked about the late Michelle Nichols, who, of course, played Nayada Uhura, telling him that some of the co-stars found him difficult. He claimed it came as a total shock to him. Asked if he'd come to a different realization after reflecting on that comment, Shatner responded, I have no idea what they're talking about, which may mean they're prejudiced, or I'm so, oh, so inured to people's reactions that I'm living in my own little world, and I don't know which it is. I strive every day to find out it's so bizarre that I've ceased to talk or think about it, because I think they are the problem, not me. It's a really good attitude to have in life, isn't it? Leonard Nimoy, who of course played Spock in the series, also had a rocky relationship with Shatner, but they were close at times. Unlike the Kirk actor and his other co-stars, they reportedly had not spoken, however, for a while before Nimoy died in 2015. So interesting words from Shatner. You know, I think um, it's pretty clear when you read the biographies, when you read the accounts, when you read all that stuff. um, No question, Captain Kirk, amazing character. No question, William Shatner a little bit hard to work with at times, Uh, and a man who has very strong opinions about things. I am not going to besmirch him because he has given us, (laughs) of course, one of the most wonderful characters of all time. But uh, I think what his co-stars are just saying here is that the man was a little hard to deal with and a little maybe uh, self-centered at times. So interesting that this is still kind of being rehashed, but Shatner does sometimes bring us little gems. Does he not, Jim? I don't know what you're talking about, Eric. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I'm going to miss him when well, he's gone, man, for many, many reasons. But I, Shatner says what is going to suffer big time when he's gone. But I am so happy he's still with us. Not only because of this sort of tongue-in-cheek like humor of these sort of encounters, but of course because of Captain Kirk, right? I mean, it's Captain Kirk. And... I mean, I think we all
2: have stories about Shatner. I have my own. Um, yeah, but I sure. still love Star Trek 5 So regardless of what he does yeah. He directed one of my favorite right. movies So that's cool So uh, as I said guys uh, Trek Talking went down To Super Mega Fest over the weekend uh, New England Super Mega Fest 2022 was New England's Ultimate Comic Con And they celebrated their 20th anniversary celebration uh, This weekend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday And it was held at the Westford Regency And conference center Um in Westford, Massachusetts, which is a different location than it usually is held in. Uh, I don't know why they switched venues, but that's fine with me. So I got to say, the Warriors were there. You know who the Warriors are, right, Paul? Warriors.
4: Warriors. Are you talking Swan and the other folks? They had
2: the entire mean Who was there? All of them.
4: Deborah Van oh, Valkenburg wasn't there, was
2: she? Well, no, she wasn't there. But um, all of the, the warriors were there. Um, they also had uh, one of the Turnbull ACs there. Um, they had baseball uh, fury.
4: Baseball fury. The,
2: unfortunately, no, no baseball fury. Um, but they did have one of the wrists there. Um, uh. The guy that the, the guy at the end that goes and tells them that they can keep Coney Island, but the rest is theirs. You know, that guy I'm talking about.
4: Yeah, um, totally.
2: Sh- shows up at the end. Um, they had one of the Lizzie's there. Um, they had um, one of the rogues there, but not the guy with the soda bottles on his fingers. Um, they, they overall they had nine actors from the warriors there, which was pretty cool. Um, and, um, yeah, the Warriors was the main attraction. They, they had Michael Winslow there, too, who you guys might know from um, Police Academy. He did all the special effects. He was also in Space Brawl. We lost the beeps. We lost the Sweeps. We lost the Creeps. Um, that's Michael Winslow. He also did the sound effects of all the Gremlins in the Gremlins movies. So there, he was there oh. as well. McNana um, was there from Star Trek Continues. Um, I went to meet him. He was awesome. I posted a picture on our Facebook page of me and Karen and Jamie meeting him. I talked to him for about 10 minutes or so, um, and I reached out to him about appearing on our podcast. He was awesome. Um, We were sporting, all of us were wearing our awesome Trek Talking t-shirts that say Star Trek fans are the best fans on the front. A lot of people uh, complimented on our shirts. Um, And somebody walked up to me, Eric, who was that Trek Conderoga? And went oh, to the evil wow. admiral panel.
1: Oh, no way. That? Awesome.
2: Yeah, that's great. She she came up to me and said that I was on. I was the Klingon on the stage at um, Trek Conoroga. I said, "Yeah." I said, "What, what panel were you on?" She said, "She was at the Admirals panel," and I was like, "Oh wow!" Nice. So, you know, th- we we reached people with our panels. Obviously, that was pretty cool.
3: That's um, so cool. Oh
2: so, yeah. Uh, So, anyways, the convention was a lot of fun. Um, I do think that one of the problems I have with Super Mega Fest this year is they didn't have enough panels. Um, They charged for the panels this year. So, if you wanted to go to the Warriors, you had to pay extra to go to their Q&A, which sits bad with me because I think part of the reason you go to the conventions is to go to the Q&A. Uh, so when they charge extra for it, I kind of feel like they're ripping me off. Like, what am I paying for at the door if I have to pay for everything else when I get in there? But that's not as bad as it sounds because you can walk up to them at their table and stand there for 20 minutes and talk to you guys. They were just completely awesome. So you really didn't need to go to the Q&A because you got your own Q&A at the table, which was really neat. So that was my my one of my big problems. They didn't have really any panels or anything going on besides the dealer's room and the autograph session. And I think if you're going to go to a convention, you need to have that kind of stuff. So there was that. Uh, also the hotel lost power. We were at a convention in the dark with no heat, which was really strange. And so the hotel, oh. they brought all the food out and they had all the, they had the lobby set up. They could go down and get whatever he wanted to eat because they had no power So it was like, come down and eat, get what you want. So uh, we went down to the lobby and we had our food there and and everybody was milling around with flashlights and emergency lights. It was, I felt like I was in the Warriors. It was very surrealistic, (laughs) but um, you know, I ran into Michael Myers. I ran into a sexy uh, female predator, Princess Leia, uh, Slave Leia from Return of the Jedi was there. There was some great cosplay going on there. Which, was, which is always fun. And uh, there was a piano in the hotel lobby, and Vic came down and started playing. He, played, he started off with um, Journey, Open Arms, and everybody joined in and started singing. And then he went into My Life by Billy Joel, and he played a bunch of songs. So Everybody was just kind of hanging around in the dark in the lobby singing songs. It was interesting. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, but we had a great time. We had a lot of fun. So that was my my review of Super Mega Fest. I definitely will go back next year for sure. We had a we had a great time, um, and they allow dogs to the hotel, so I was able to bring my dog, and uh, we had a blast. So I highly recommend you guys check out Super Mega Fest if you're in the area and if you can, and uh, perhaps perhaps next year, uh, Truck Talking will have a table there like we did at Truck who knows what's in the future for Trek Talking. But I just wanted to share my, my adventures with you guys and to let you know, Eric, that people that attended Trek it's our panel, always cool to hear. All right. So, Eric, um, I, I try to tailor, you know, I try to tailor these news stories to each one of, of my co-hosts so that they have something to talk about that's of interest to them. If you're wondering how I pick the stories, that's how I do it. So um, this isn't so much a story, but Eric, what do you got for us?
3: Uh,
0: Well, I have a really cool little bit of information that came out on Twitter uh, relatively recently, although it was actually announced a couple of months ago. uh, The official Kate Mulgrew Twitter page said, uh, I will be appearing at the Janeway statue in Bloomington, Indiana, on 1023, tickets available now. Proceeds go to Alzheimer's Research. Thank you to the Janeway Collective for organizing and hosting. That, of course, is the collective of people who take care of the Janeway statue uh, right there in beautiful Bloomington. I look forward to finally visiting this work of art in person because you may remember that when the statue was unveiled, I was during COVID, and so she was able to visit virtually, but she was not able to visit in person. And so if you want to learn more about uh, Kate Mulgrew's visit to the statue, the official statue, you can, of course, go to the JanewayCollective.com. But, Jim, one little funny story that I found uh, about this visit that I wanted to share with you guys was uh, about a fan uh, fan Megan Danzig from Bloomington, Indiana, who actually wrote a letter to the editor about this upcoming visit, uh, way back in, in August when it was first announced. And the question that she asked the letter, uh, at the top of her letter was, should we be concerned about Janeway's visit? And, uh, you know, maybe we should be. Megan says, It was recently announced that Kate Mulgrew, who played Captain Catherine Janeway in the NBC television series Star Trek Voyager, will be coming to visit the Janeway bust for an event on October 23rd of this year. I have always been against the Janeway statue, but decided to break my silence on this occasion. The bust is clearly a violation of the Temporal Prime Directive and will cause irreversible damage to the timeline if the future Janeway who will be born in Bloomington in the year 2344 is allowed to see it and learn of the future adventures of her and her crew. We know that Captain Jane will be notorious for her disregard for the timeline, stating at one point, quote, temporal mechanics give me a headache. We cannot trust that she will learn about Voyager getting stranded in the Delta Quadrant and allow it to happen the way it's supposed to. This will affect literally billions of lives and endanger the Federation's uh, Federation success against the threat of the board collective. Do you want causality loops and paradoxes? Because this is how you get causality loops and paradoxes. Bring down the Janeway statue. Save the timeline. Strong words. <laughs> <laughs> from our
1: good friend,
0: Megan Danzig. I just had to share that. I thought that was freaking hilarious. But uh, good news is tickets are still available for this thing. So go to the Janeway Collective and check it out. And I wish I could be in Bloomington, Indiana on uh, on October 23rd. Go check it out if you can.
2: And, you know, we did have somebody from the Janeway Collective on the podcast when they unveiled that statue, if you remember. And yep, I reached out sure to did. them to see if they want to come back on the podcast and talk about the Janeway visit and tell people, you know, get the information out in person, but I haven't heard back from them yet. So I'm trying to get, get them uh-huh. back on the podcast to talk about it. So we'll, we'll see uh-huh. what happens.
5: Eric, wasn't Voyage part of Paramount, mm-hmm. not NBC? Uh Yeah.
0: Did it say NBC somewhere yeah. there? Uh, NBC it would have been
5: television series. Like Voyager was not on NBC.
0: Uh, oh no, so it was Wednesday on U- NBC. The UPN. Yeah, it would have been UPN. Yeah, it would have been UPN. I'm not sure why it says NBC in the article there. Good catch, Charles. Yeah, it was definitely on UPN.
5: Well, part of Paramount. So, but good yeah. grief. I think somebody's got to check their stats a bit.
0: Seriously, and we should have caught that in editing too, Jim. So disappointed. <laughs> So, yeah,
2: yeah, I do that all my old age. I'm long on the tooth. I'm a slack Mike. Uh. <laughs> well, Charles, speaking of Paramount Plus, what do you got for us?
3: Well, I
5: guess we can't go back and watch uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture, as all ten TOS and TNG era movies have been exited from Paramount Plus USA.
1: Last
5: November, the Paramount Last November, the Paramount Plus streaming service in the U.S. has finally become home of all 13 Star Trek feature films. However, the last year, movies would come and go from the service and sometimes appear on streaming services and sometimes not. By September of this year, all but Star Trek 2, The Rathicon and Star Trek Beyond were still available. However, today the service is down to just two, 2009 and 2013. Star Trek movie title removed, which includes both the theatrical and new director's edition of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. As of now, none of the six TOS era or four TNG era films are available to stream in the U.S. Paramount Plus is part of the Paramount Global, which is sole owner of the Star Trek franchise in both film and television, including distribution rights. While Paramount Plus USA did not provide any details on the removal, movies coming and going generally are related to license deals cut with other services, often years in the past. This kind of license, however, other media companies have been able to take further control over their own franchises by clawing back, clawing back on these deals. Or the fact that Paramount just doesn't have enough space on their service, that maybe they've got too much stuff going on there right now. Maybe they need to work on what they've got posted and <clears throat> take a few things off.
0: I don't know, I Charles, I gotta believe that they're like this article says, that it's all based on timing of contracts and stuff because with all of this four K stuff coming out right now, you know, it it's it's bad timing to pull it off the
1: surface,
0: yeah. right? Isn't this, isn't this when people wanna watch it? Like I don't know if they're trying to drive people to buy the four K Blu rays or what, but it it feels a little weird. Well, oh, you I, know, the, at the that. end of
4: the day, it's uh, <laughs> that's your mess. That's the lesson to learn, though. It's like if you really love these movies and want to watch them and not be, you know, uh, uh, yeah. dependent on the the whims and vagaries of these different streaming services and suddenly have something disappear. You know, assume nothing is permanent. Invest in physical media, you know, which is especially yeah. great where everything's that's been hip. restored now, and you're never going to see any of these movies looking as great as they are right now. Like we were talking with Philo on Monday, right? I mean. The, these movies are pristine, practically better than they've ever looked when they were theatrically first released. It's just own 'em grab 'em uh because I know it's it's a very expensive proposition now to release physical media and uh as a lot of you know pundits have talked about like like that big uh the big deluxe disc they did for the motion picture, right? When they're sold out, that's it. They aren't making second releases. They aren't pushing it out again or doing a, a revised second press. That's it, man. It's just like, get it while you can invest in physical media. I,
3: I, I was under the impression that Paramount Plus owned the right to Star Trek. And I'm thinking, why would they take them off at all? So, I guess well, they well, they still own they the, the right to the movie, David,
0: but what they've, But what they've done is they've allowed other people to show their stuff at at certain times. And so I will bet you that these things will become available somewhere else for a little bit on some other service or that type of thing. But but as Paul says, at the end of the day, the only way to be sure, unless – Unless you are very familiar with your terms and conditions that you have all agreed to for all of your streaming services, y'all got those memorized? I know I do. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, buy yourself, wow, <laughs> buy yourself some actual physical media, right? Because otherwise, they're going to snatch it away any old time they can, and that includes stuff yeah. that you quote buy, right? That inqu- yeah. includes all that online stuff that you own. So. Read the terms.
2: Weird. Well, on that note,
4: Paul, you've got our next story. All right, home slice coming at you. Terry Metalis drops more Star Trek Picard season three hints and says, "Safety not guaranteed for next gen characters." Oh my god, what, what? does that mean? Oh. My god. Um. Dun, it's because dun, dun. none of the seats on the bridge have seatbelts. That's what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I'm a exactly the right. memorial. There's never a seatbelt in any the your seats. You know, you hit a rough patch of turbulence uh, coming out of the nebula. You could hit your head on the guardrail. All kinds of nonsense. You know, not even Beverly can help you with that. After the Star Trek. Picard teaser trailer released on Star Trek Day a few weeks ago, Chauvin Terry Metallus has been actively hyping the third and final season of the series. That's right, Star Trek Picard's coming to a conclusion. The biggest change for season three is the return of the main cast of Star Trek The Next Generation for what Metallus has called a proper send-off for their characters. This got one fan concerned that maybe not all the beloved Next-gen characters are going to make it through the season And perhaps we will see a character perish Metallus wasn't ready to offer any comfort Replying, safety not guaranteed And when another fan followed up by saying That killing off a character would be risky Metallus replied by posting the famous Kirk Risk is our business speech from the original (laughs) series That's what we're here for That's why we're aboard her but, and if you're an actor, you got to love that, right? If like, you, had, you, know, you felt like you had a tepid send-off with your character previously and you have a chance to sacrifice yourself nobly uh, and have an enduring uh, benchmark for yourself in terms of you know, characters who really uh, had a proper swan song, you got to love that, right? So I'm sure they're probably all hoping that that gets to be them. Metallus has talked about how important the music for the final season is to him, and he brought in new composer Stephen Barton to help create a cinematic score that evokes the music of legendary Trek composers like Jerry Goldsmith and James Horner. Recently on Twitter, he revealed that he's working on a way to get the soundtrack released ahead of the season. Here are a few other things Terry has confirmed for season three, so I'm throwing down my turn down your radio spoiler alert thing if you're like me and you wish you didn't know this stuff and you just wish you could watch it all without well-meaning journalists just spilling their guts because i'd rather just go in blind here's your moment okay i'm gonna do it now can we
3: play a Should we play the spoiler alert
4: <laughs> well you can i'll give you a shatner version spoiler alert spoiler <laughs> alert <laughs> okay one there will be no time travel a 1,000 collective sighs of relief. Two, Hugh does not appear. I'm assuming they mean Hugh Borg, right? That that guy. Because yeah. I think we yeah, had our him me. previously, right? Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Three, the Titan A will be the featured ship in the Star Trek branded intro. Yeah. Ooh, very nice.
0: Four. Oh, that's fun.
4: Wesley Crusher's goodbye in Journey's End, next-gen episode, will get a mention, whatever that means. And five, neither Iconians nor Remans will appear in season three, but expect other classic aliens we haven't seen in a while. Ooh, love it. Perhaps uh, previously thought to be extinct salt vampires will come in their own spaceships that we didn't even know existed. I think that sounds like a reasonable as anything premise to consider, perhaps. Let's just get those rumors started here, friends. Finally, Terry has put a bit of himself into the season. He revealed on Twitter, I kind of make a cameo in season three. Metalis is a big fan of the classic Star Trek movies, so he is following in the footsteps of producer Harv Bennett, who appeared as an admiral in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Is this giving us a sense that perhaps Terry Metallis is going to play Cyborg? I'm not sure. I don't know what to believe, but, you know, anything's possible. Star Trek Picard Season 3 arrives Thursday, February 16th, right in the middle of your hungover Valentine's Week festivities, exclusively on Paramount Plus in the United States. Following its premiere, new episodes of the 10-episode-long final season will be available to stream weekly on Thursday which has sort of become, you know, new episode day on Paramount Plus, right? Thursdays, the same day that new episodes of Trek Talking begin. Coincidence? I think not. Picard streams (laughs) exclusively on Paramount Plus in the United States and is distributed concurrently by Paramount Global Content Distribution on Amazon Prime Video in more than 200 countries and territories. Who gets to answer the phone there? Paramount Global Contra- Content Distribution. <laughs> so that makes you sound very <laughs> formal. And, oh, I'm... I'm that's the, that dude is saying that in bars from New Zealand to like Wellington, right? He's like, I'm <laughs> VP of Paramount Global Content <laughs> Distribution. That's, oh, wow. That's very impressive sounding. Oh, my goodness. I think we need to get that cat as a guest on the show. In Canada, yeah. it airs on Bell Media's CTV sci-fi channel and streams on Crave whatever that is. I'm not sure. Good old crave. Uh, it sounds good. Oh, crave is a great Canadian. Canadians. Game. Yeah. Canadians have cool things. So Crave must be Canadian. It is. If you crave Star Trek, no. move to Canada. That's their slogan. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Anyhow, that's my uh, news story here about what to expect from season three. Uh, all kinds of stuff not to expect and uh, a lot of trepidation, kind of uh, nudge, nudge, wink, nudge, say no more, that one of our classic uh, next-gen main cast, probably isn't going to make it to the season finale let's uh, all place our bets on who that could be David I'm
3: passing the mic to you my friend hey I got the mic alright well, looks like my little story is something about October 99 cent Star Trek e-books a new month means new Star Trek e deals celebrate some of the great women writers of trick fiction with each of these titles available until October 30th just for 99 pennies apiece Sarek by A.C. Crispin, Spock's World by Diane Duane, Star Trek, the original series, Vulcan Forge by Joseph Sullivan and Susan Schwartz, The Vulcan Academy Murders by Jean, uh, Jean Laura, I think that's how you pronounce her name, uh, Ishmael by Barbara Hambly. Vulcan Glory by DC Fontana. Vulcan's Heart by Joseph Sherman and Susan Schwartz. Again. Uh, Vulcan Soul, number one. Exodus, number two. Exiled, number three. Ah, I see. Okay. Exiled. And number three, Epiphany by Josepha Sherman and Susan Schwartz. Yesterday's Sun by A.C. Crispin. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock by Vonda in McIntyre? McIntyre. <laughs> McIntyre, there's that too. Uh, the Internal Tide by Kristen Beyer. And last but not least is Protectors by Kristen Beyer. <clears throat> Eric, what's on? What's the next story?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, Trek the whole Star Trek characters celebrate Christmas. In this perfect holiday gift, that's right, it's not too early to start thinking about that time of year, people. The intergalactic crew members of the Federation wear ugly Christmas sweaters and drink champagne in the pages of this illustrated holiday book. The perfect gift for any Star Trek fan in your life. Trek the Halls is a parody of the famous Christmas Carol. features characters from across the Star Trek universe spanning from the original series and the next generation to Enterprise, And, of course, Discovery, written by Rob Perlman, a friend of the podcast, and illustrated by Luke Flowers. Each page features fun Easter egg-filled scenes that hint at some of the most memorable storylines from the franchise. Spot nods to Gorn, Guinan, Grudge, and more. Nice alliteration there. The book doesn't officially release until October 11th. See the crew meet in Ten Forward Raising glasses to the holiday, drinking grapes from Picard's chateau. Guidance saved them for a special day. Worf, of course, drinks blood wine. Data, nothing. Troy counsels Reg, don't be afraid. Will pulls out the seat beside her. Why is he always sitting down that way? Trek the Halls is the most recent pop culture book written by Rob Perlman. Start your holiday shopping early, catered towards TV and movie fans of all stripes and colors. Sounds like a ton of fun. Charles, I think that you have some news about our dear Spock, do you not?
5: Yes, and this was an interesting one. Star Trek's Leonard Nimoy nearly directed the Doctor Who TV movie. Having premiered just over 25 years ago in a mixed reception, the 1986 Doctor Who movie has solely garnered an appreciation alongside strong fandom for Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor, who made a brief return appearance as part of the TV show's 50th anniversary celebration in 2013. Producer Phillips still revealed that at one point, a very different director was in talks to the helm the Eighth Doctor's first outing several meetings with Leonard Nimoy who wanted to direct it. I met with him at Amble Entertainment and we had a wonderful conversation. He was generally excited about the possibility with the impression impressive track record not only with sci-fi films at the box office. Nimoy might have seemed to be a no-brainer to direct. What happened? Fox did not want him to do it. They were concerned it looked too uh, – are we, are we clever? We got Spock from Star Trek directing. The TV movie series, U.S. broadcasters would only permit Nemoy to direct it if he took a role in the TV movie, potentially the master. That was just an insult to Leonard because they were able to object to the exercise. Ultimately, Jeffrey Sachs would go on to become the director. But who knows what Leonard Nimoy's vision of Doctor Who might have looked like. Interesting. Wow. I'm not sure I ever got a chance to see the eighth Doctor. But it would have been interesting to see him actually doing it. Paul, you got a couple of books coming up.
4: I do indeed. This is great, uh, especially for uh, younger readers, uh, because Star Trek Prodigy, which is chugging into the station here very, very soon, has two new young reader books on the way. Uh, First of all, there is Supernova, which is part of the Star Trek Prodigy uh, universe by Rob Perlman. Uh, Brief synopsis here for us friends here, uh, trade paperback. Uh, When the protostar crash lands in a peculiar star system, The crew ends up separated, and Dahl and Gwyn must work together to find their missing crewmates. They don't have much time, though. The nearby star is destabilized and in danger of creating a supernova. Then Dahl and Gwyn discover evil droids patrolling the area, and they look just like the Watchers back in Tars Lamora. How will Dahl and Gwyn confront this nightmare from their past and prevent an explosion in their near future? Oh, that sounds very exciting. Ticking clocks. Threatening droids, all kinds of good stuff that links up to the larger background plot of the uh, Prodigy universe. Very, very cool. So you've got that one. Uh, Again, that's Supernova. No shock with the title there, given the description we had. Um, Then from uh, Cassandra Rose Clark, uh, another book in the Prodigy universe called A Dangerous Trade. While traveling through the Delta Quadrant, the Protostar crew discovers a worn transporter coil on their ship. Uh -uh. Despite Janeway's misgivings, the crew decides to trade a Starfleet-issued battery for new transporter parts at a market on a distant planet. That sounds like a good move. Little do they know that a group of rogue traders are intent on getting their hands on something much bigger, the Protostar itself. Will the crew be able to defend their ship and stay out of trouble? Star Trek fans will love this brand new original story featuring all the heart, humor, and action of the Prodigy series. I don't have uh, release dates for those, Uh, but it sounds like they're coming soon. uh,
5: They'll be out in January, and they are on pre-order on Amazon already.
4: Awesome. Sounds good. Maybe those publishers will work a little faster, get them out in time for Christmas. So you never know. A lot of stuff. No,
5: pre-date's going to be after Christmas.
4: Well, there you go. <laughs>
1: Unlike all the toy right.
4: universe, and these days stuff gets released constantly earlier than normal. Yep. Anyhow, um, I think it's time to switch gears and pass batons and oars. What's up next, Uncle Jim? Well, it's time to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks
2: here all trust nothing. Season three, episode six. The Cerritos crew unexpectedly sends a day on Deep Space Nine, what could possibly go wrong. And here we go, guys. We're going to set the tone for you.
0: Captain's Law, Stardate 58456.2. The Cerritos is providing support to the Vancouver. Captain Nguyen will be reopening post-war trade negotiations with the Carima, a mercantile species from the Gamma Quadrant, while I will be overseeing a delivery of goodwill gifts from the Alpha Quadrant, which will hopefully sweeten the deal.
2: Okay guys, every week on our Facebook page I post the question and ask you on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being the best what score would you give this week's episode of Lower Decks? Eric, what did our Facebook fans
0: have to say? Well, Facebook fan Tom Wilson said a 10 if for no other reason than the DS9 opening sequence slash parody. I'm with you Tom. Top fan Brian Kane said another 10. I'm not a big DS9 fan but they did a great job with all the DS9 references and Easter eggs. Ese Caballero said Easy 10 audibly laughed quite a few times. Max Antani gave it a 9, funny and nostalgic. Jim Stoffel said 8.5. The salon arc bored me, but the DS9 arc and the tendy arc were 9.5. Brad Felton gave it an eight. The Shacks and Kira, one-upping each other, went on a tad too long. Jason Felt said nine. I loved it. But the only gripe I had was, didn't Bajor join the Federation? Why was Kira in her Bajoran uniform? Oh, Jason, I can talk all night about that. Uh, so let's uh, check in later. Eric Schwent gave it a ten. loved flying around the pylons. Keep circling. Nick Dingman gave it a 9.5. It isn't the best in the series, but earns the extra 0.5 for advancing what will surely be a great reveal for Rutherford's backstory. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard anything about tonight's episode, but I have heard crazy rumblings, so who knows? Nick may have predicted things. Alex Crowley said, 10, based on a scale compared to the other lower decks. And so you guys... This gives us a fan score of 9.4, which, believe it or not, is actually the highest that we've ever had for a Lower Decks episode. Beats our number one episode from this season, which was a 9.3 from the fans. So here all, trust nothing, 9.4 from Trek Talking Fans. What do you think about that, Jim?
2: Wow, that's impressive. Um, So, guys, there's a lot of references, a lot of Easter eggs hidden in Lower Decks. And every week we do our cadet training, and that's where we tell you what episodes you can watch to catch up on Lower Decks. Okay, Charles, take it away.
5: Okay, I'll take a deep breath on this one. Let's start off with just recommending the DS9, the series. And we can include... And let's conclude DS9 opening credits. Oof. Now to the Easter eggs. DS9's Call to Arms, Season 5, Episode 26. Here, all, trust nothing is the 190th rule of acquisition. Let's go oh. with talking to Nog about that. The uh, The search episodes, season three, episode one and two, where we meet uh, Karima, DS9, past prologue, season one, episode three, the Haru Outpost, which Shax and Kira are all, both arguing about,
0: and I'll just say that that episode, Charles, where Kira gives her a spiel about what she went through at that place in that episode is particularly cool and is one of the reasons that DS9 became my favorite, because it hits so heavy right from the start.
5: Right, definitely. Melora, Season 2, Episode 6, is where the hologram of Quark's head on Kira's body appears. ears. The Storyteller, Season 1, Episode 14, is the ninth rule of acquisition, what Quirk talked about when he took the tooth. Starship Down, Season 4, Episode 7, in references to Cisco's baseball. Cisco will return. Relic, Season 6, Episode 4, the Iberian whiskey. Oh, excuse me d gs Relics, Season 6, Episode 4, we see the green alberian whiskey that uh, somebody decides I need a drink and then an extra large drink, having to deal with the saloon. <laughs> but I found a great resource out there, somebody who's hitting a lot of Easter eggs. And thank you for that, because that was catching me a lot of stuff. A lot of DS main references this time. So, Jim, why don't we talk about all those Easter eggs and talk about the episode?
2: Yeah, let's do that. I, But I, I can't do that. I can't be a good host without, at least without one soundbite, which I'm going to play. I can't resist because it was incredibly awesome. And I titled this one just in awe. And if you know the episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This reminded me. Of the opening sequence of Spaceballs
5: Bring us out of warp Tacky, Kardashian, fascist
0: eyesore Hell, just Mm. buy me some time to read up on the karma Uh, uh, Sir, how how do we do that? Uh,
4: I don't know, just circle around and pretend we're in awe of the pylons Yes, sir
2: Just keep circling. I just, uh, who didn't fall off the couch laughing at that? Yeah. I was like,
0: it was, I was partway between laughing and just crying and being like completely enamored by the way that the station looked. I mean, I don't know how they animated that. It must. I, I'm guessing that it's computer graphics or something. Uh, I haven't actually looked it up to 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 back up my story on that. But didn't the station look really, really good? I was going Earth to say. Didn't, I was
5: going to say, didn't the animation look enhanced on that? Yes, yeah. so good. I think. I think they enhanced. I think they enhanced the ship because they made the ship even better than than lower deck standards.
2: I, when I was yeah, watching it, I was thinking that to myself, too. There. They didn't cartoonize or animate the station uh, like they done with all the other starships that have appeared. They made it look like the Space Nine. It was incredible.
0: Well, and, Jim, I think one of the reasons that that might be, and this is something that I've noticed throughout time, is that you, it's, it's very hard to animate, to hand-animate things that have that sort of gigantic scale to them. And I think one of the things that you're meant to feel at the top of this episode is that same sense of scale that you get during the opening credits of DS9, right? Which is that this is like, this is something different that we haven't had in Star Trek before, uh, you know, via Deep Space Nine, is that it's a station versus a ship. And so it's so much bigger. And the pylons are really impressive. And I Mm
1: -hmm. just
0: like... Drive around and pretend you're in awe of the pylons this is so funny. Yeah. And Shax's comment about it being like tacky Kardashian fascist eyesore. Oh, my God. So good right from the top.
2: It was. And believe it or not, yeah. we have a caller on the line, guys. I'm oh. going to see if we can get this thing to uh work here. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trick Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight?
3: It's Nate from Vegas, and that hey, was hey, the Nate. best part of the whole episode for me, was that opening, that cold open, best part of the whole episode. Mm-hmm.
2: It was awesome. Wow. It truly, truly was incredible. Really, it starts the episode off perfectly. So, Nate, what? speaking of starting off the episode, why don't you start off? What did you think about the episode? What would you give it on a scale of uh, one to ten?
3: Overall, I thought it was pretty good. The only flaws I have for it is, to me, it didn't sound like Kira or Quark, and I had to sit there and pay, wait for those end credits to see if they had some other actors play the parts. Now, yes, I know it's been a long time since DS9, and I'm guessing... it. They may not be used to voice acting or they're just not used to rolling into their characters again because obviously it was the original uh, actors for both Quark and uh, Kira. Uh, but, yeah, that that that's my biggest drawback to it. I, overall, I'd give it an 8, though. Yeah, and Nate, the
0: one thing that I'll comment on that front is that Armin Shimmerman actually was interviewed about that, and he actually made some comments about kind of wearing the teeth again and how difficult it was to wear the teeth. And if you – what I – and personally, what I found is that if I listened to the quark in this episode without looking at him, he sounded like quark. But the way that he was animated – made it a little bit less like quark and i'll just i'll just plug this in real quick here because i don't see another place in the in the show to plug it in i think it's because quark was unable to do things like um give us some basic facial expressions because with the makeup he's not able to make his brow move up and down right that very strong ferengi brow that sort of sticks above everything and in this episode they're able to animate that brow, and it, in fact, gives Quark different facial expressions from what we actually saw in Deep Space Nine. I also I also found the shape of his head to be just a little bit off from an animation standpoint, so I think the disconnect between the way Quark looked and the way he sounded was one way that I would totally agree with you. Now, in terms of Nana Visitor, I think that's just age. I think it's just like, you know, her voice just sounds a little bit different right now, and you kind of have to, like... Uh, roll with roll with the changes, so to speak, uh, maybe they should have given her more gray hair or something uh, in her animated version, but I know what you're talking about
5: actually yep. i've heard I've actually heard more from Arnold schimmerman at near the end of the ds nine series, his teeth went missing, and they had to replace his teeth, and he has had problems with some of the replacements. He's tried to get better teeth, but he just doesn't have the teeth that he had in the series. So even when he's going on stage, he's had problems with the voice because he just doesn't have the teeth that gave him the voice that he used to have.
2: Interesting. Very interesting. Well, I mm-hmm. want to say I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the the Tendy arc, with her stealing the ship and being a pirate just had me in tears laughing. Here they make friends with Tell this me. Orion who's like, I'm a big pirate and da, da, da. And come oh, to find huh. out his name is Joe from Cincinnati. <laughs> and I, and he's, he's nothing. He's never met another Orion. And, and Tindy's like, oh, for Christ's sakes, give me that thing. And she goes off <laughs> full Orion, steals the ship, steals the guy's tooth, the whole nine yards. I loved it. I, th- I thought it was great to see Tendy go into action and then uh, Rutherford's reaction to that. I just thought and that was so, of-
0: And so we we kind of knew that a little bit about Tendi, right? We kind of knew that she had like a secret backstory that hadn't yet been revealed and to see it just kind of come out, there's that moment where he's been talking shit the whole like episode and then all of a sudden he's like, uh, actually, I don't have anything. And she's like, all right. I will reluctantly use these amazing skills that I have, even though I hate the fact that everybody thinks that Orions are pirates.
2: Yeah, and, and I also like the line where he says, I sense these pheromones, and she's like, we don't all have pheromones. We don't all just, have those,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right there,
2: it's like, okay, well, there you have it,
0: and just, you know, done. So I, well, I enjoyed and that. I lo- yeah, yeah. There's so many ways to interpret that, too, with Tendi. Like, I think Tendy is one of those characters that a lot of different people can identify with, both from, her like, her attitude, um, her approach to her job. Like, she makes comments like that about her own, like, personal life. I just, I love her so much.
2: And then, of course, Boimler playing Davo and winning, and Quark saying yeah. that he's franchised Quark. and I mean, this is true because in Picard... In Stardust City Rag, we see Quark's bar. Yeah. So, so there you go. He, you know, we know that he franchised. So that was. And interesting, Boimler.
0: And Boimler does Boimler. not carry a man purse. He carries a clutch. So let be clear.
2: <laughs> and he gets Quark bucks, and he goes and
0: spends them in so <laughs>
2: buying Quark <cork laughs> ears. And I love pads. that.
0: He... I love that he le- he like wins all the latinum and then he tells the other ferengi that starfleet people don't use money and the other Star- the <laughs> other ferengi
3: is like
2: <laughs>
0: And, and, and so of funny. course <laughs>
3: did you
2: notice Morn was still sitting there when they walk yeah. into the bar He
0: was he, was. he was, I was, I was, I was really, really
3: hoping, hoping... the
1: like, little
0: Morn give
5: him a line Yeah you yeah. have <laughs> Morns for Morn, didn't we lose Morn?
1: But well, we, we came didn't back.
2: Morn came back. He wasn't actually dead. Yeah, he did.
0: Yeah, he came he back did.
5: later.
2: And yeah, uh, you're right,
0: Charles. It? There was one where they thought he was dead.
2: Yeah. Did you notice the name of the kiosk outside of Quarks before when they scan across before they go to Quarks? It's Batlets Are Us.
1: <laughs> and I was like. Oh, that's- <laughs>
2: There's a whole yeah.
5: store full of that one. I was like, oh, my God. That's so cool. <laughs> well, even Rutherford said there's a mention. Oh, there's the dartboard. There's there's the dartboard that uh, O'Brien played on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And uh, let's, let, let's see. We talked about – okay. How about Jennifer? She's back. Her and Mariner yeah. are definitely involved. They're, they're, they have a thing. And uh, she meets Jennifer's friends at the salon. And things don't <laughs> quite go as planned there either. Because no. Mariner whips out the phaser and stuns them all. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, but that's, but that's what Jennifer wanted her to do. She wanted her. She liked the fact that mariner is unhinged and she felt jennifer actually felt like her friends needed to be put in their place and so she said yeah, like, and- i brought you in here because i like the way you are and i basically wanted you to phaser my friends which is so endearing and just like cute and just like oh warms my heart
2: it was it was good <laughs> and let's talk about the other arc which is uh captain freeman trying to get the peace treaty quark stealing the quark 2000 uh uh replicator uh technology and them arresting him to get it back that was the other story arc um
5: yeah, yeah
2: okay i don't know that one well, didn't we got really well,
5: indian action that's,
2: that's true the indian right. action
5: is saving saving quark and saving them from going out to the wormhole
0: True. And yeah, it was a very quirk-like thing. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Sorry.
5: I was gonna say, but it was just the fact that yeah, they kind of took quirk away, but yet it turned into a big action scene because then Tindy kind of get in there and showed off her thing, and then we found out it's like, oh yeah, I'm part, of, my family's part of the Syndicate. Like, okay, don't mess with Tindy.
2: Absolutely
0: well, not. And, and let's. And let's just talk about, I mean, this kind of leads into a very quick discussion about what Quark agrees to at the end of this episode, which to me is a little bit crazy. He agrees uh, to give the aliens 76% of his profits so that they won't start their own franchises at this end of the wormhole. Uh, that, would Quark ever actually agree to that? That seems crazy.
3: Well, there's a lot of things that Quark agreed throughout all of DS nine that I'm pretty sure a lot of people were like, is not very Quark like or Prodigy-like?" so But
0: I mean but well
3: but, yeah. but Quark was like
0: he always had an eye towards business. So in order to like in order to agree to giving away seventy six percent of his profits, he must have thought that if they started their own franchise they actually would have taken more than that of his profits, right? So uh, apparently they had a business plan that actually ash- – absolutely blew Quark's mind <laughs> and he was like oh my god they are going to put me out of business I'm going to give them 76% of my profits uh, just to kind of keep operating here on Deep Space Nine so <laughs> that was the only thing on the episode that I thought was a little bit out of character but I'm just splitting hairs man it was a great episode well yeah.
2: Rob is still Grand Negus, Rob and Lita right as far
0: as I know
5: yeah, yeah.
2: so that
0: you would think that so made- yeah
2: that makes Cork the the Nagus, s I guess. Like he's
0: yeah, you know, but he's, he's not an heir. It would be Rom's Rom's offspring would be the heir. So I think he's just kind of adjacent, right? He yeah. like, there's no succession there. Yeah, I mean, then Cork so is already Nagus for a little while.
2: <laughs> that's true. You can kiss my scepter. Um, I pretty much uh, touched on the major parts of the story. We've heard from Nate. How about you, Charles? One to ten. What do you think?
5: Well, let's do one scene. It's like, yeah let's see Cork chewing on a data chip and Kira chasing him through the bar trying to get that data chip i hope I hope for his sake she never caught him ah let's huh. do a let's let's see the fans to nine point four let's Agree with the fans right there and go with a nine
2: point five. Nine point five from Charles. All right. How about you, David?
3: Oh man, this episode was really funny. Um, I really liked the uh, the whole backstory with uh, how everything just fit together because it was like it was just telling instead of multiple stories, it was telling like one story that just led into another, and I thought that was kind of fun to watch and so it just kind of seamlessly went together all all at once and uh yeah i would have to say that the fan scores was really high for this one and i would have to definitely agree but my very favorite part out of the whole thing was when the whole station power lost and yet somehow the double tables were still running and (laughs) at the very end yeah (laughs) just wheel and it was like Boy was like, "Whoa!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. but... <laughs>
3: yep. So I'd have to give Our... this one a a nine point eight for me.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, Paul, the double wheel stopped on you.
4: All right, man. Well, I thought that it was a, a really good episode. I thought it was really funny. Um, I think that uh, the fan comments that Eric read earlier, I think, were pretty spawn. Um, I was less entranced by the whole quote-unquote salon arc. I thought that was a little, you know, it, it finally when, you know, she busts loose and starts, <laughs> you uh, use less oxygen when you've been <laughs> made unconscious. <I> thought <laughs> that was great, right? That kind of thing. Um... Uh, the the whole thing with Shax and Kira constantly one-upping each other, you know, no, you owe me, no, you owe me. It, 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 Sometimes it just became too repetitive, right? It's like repetition doesn't always equal comedy, right? <laughs> I think, but other than that, I thought it was a super strong episode. Um, it, it's, it was an interesting point that uh, people noticed, right? It's just like, you know, these actors are like 20 years older, right, right. Than, than when the show is on. So, yeah, they're going to sound different. You know, I mean, they really are. It's just like, you know, I mean, who's wearing dentures now? I don't know, but uh, it's, everyone sounds different. But I still, I don't like, uh, I'm a round number guy. I don't like points. So I give it a solid nine. I think that uh, is appropriate for this episode. It was really funny. And uh, it was done with great affection for a franchise most of us really love. So there you go. So a good nine for me. I thought a, a strong episode. Good stuff. A
2: nine. How about you, Eric? You're going to follow up Paul's nine.
0: Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we there are some obvious, like, missing people from this episode, but just because they have kind of passed before us, um, no Odo in this episode, no Nog in this episode, absolute staples of Deep Space Nine. That being said, uh, Deep Space Nine is my favorite overall series, and I loved all the references. I mean, the opening credit scene alone was enough to completely hook me. I can't disagree with Paul. I think some of the Shax and Kira stuff went on just a little bit long. And I had a couple of issues with the way that Quark himself was animated. I think he sounded fine. I just think he was animated a little bit off. The only character, literally, that I've ever felt on the series was just a little bit off animation-wise. So um, so I will give this a, a solid 9 but I kind of want to push it to a 9.1 just because I really, really love Deep Space Nine. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say 9.1 because 12. I can't help myself.
2: Well, so I, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I agree with Paul. I, I love Deep Space Nine. I love Kira. She was my favorite character on Deep Space Nine. I thought she was awesome. I didn't feel that they captured her in this episode. I thought that the Arguing uh, about, you know, who saved who was, was, uh, you know, once would have been fine, but they went way too far with it, and it just didn't fit with Kira. And the part that Charles mentioned, chasing Quark around felt like a Scooby-Doo moment to me. I mean, she, she wouldn't be chasing Quark around. She would have reached over the bar, grabbed him, and pulled him over the bar. Um <laughs> I don't think that she would have uh totally. <laughs> <laughs> so I you know, I thought her chasing him around kinda like, Yeah, okay. But 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 other than that, I really loved the episode. And I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh yeah, I'm gonna go with a nine. I didn't like it as much as the Batleth episode that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That was my favorite. Uh,
0: so good. So, I'll give it a so nine. good though.
4: And I do so, want the board it. game and everything.
0: Yeah, yes, that, that was gr- yeah.
4: That's been the strongest episode like- of the season. I think yeah. that, was, that yeah. was dynamite. You know, I'd say this is like second to that one probably uh, for me. Yeah, but, uh, but that one was just so strong. I mean, it was just it so was, it was so. It was just so fresh and inventive. You know, and uh, was uh, that was hard. To, that was hard to beat, man. And it seems to me like the the writers
2: on um, on lower decks are getting in their stride because. These last few episodes felt like they could have been a live-action episode. They had that flow, they had that feel, and they were just good. So I think they're they're hitting their stride.
4: So overall, and I think Charles, this gives this uh, this gives you like a hint too of like where you know you're combining this. Uh, I'm sure this must have been in everyone else's head too, but it's just like where you're seeing you know this combined with what was. A live-action show, Deep Space Nine, right? This is giving us a little bit of a hint of maybe what kind of the vibe we might be running into when uh, Lower Decks uh, crosses over with Strange New Worlds next year. So, yeah. uh, uh-huh. who knows? But I, I, with- I, that was on my mind uh, to some degree. I was like, "Wow, I wonder if this would be kind of you know the type of tone that that we don't know who wrote which episodes yet, but." Uh, but I wonder if this is just a hint of, you know, the attitude that they'll take as they approach that. So we'll find out. But yeah, definitely uh, a, a little hint.
2: I hope it's as good. I hope it's as good. So the fan score was 9.4, and the co-host score was 9.1. So
0: there you yeah, have it was my eight that brought it down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay. We're gonna blame it on me. <laughs> <Go Nate. ahead. laughs> <laughs> It's Nate well, I always appreciate I always appreciate your point of view though because it feels like you always kinda of make like make sure we're all grounded in reality as we watch these things. So <laughs> thank you. And and by I, the way, Nate, I, I, is not a your character? it's great yeah. to hear
2: Nate's <laughs> point the show. So that's awesome. Well guys, uh, I wanna let you know that Monday night we're gonna be doing a new comic corner. We're gonna be talking about IDW Star Trek issue number four hundred and Star Trek Picard, Stargazer, issue number two. Same bat time, same bat channel, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time, right here. Don't want to miss that if you're into the Star Trek comics. I also want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to Nate for calling.
3: Yeah, you're welcome. Had had to wait a bit until we finally got to talk about it, but uh, yeah, great time.
2: Excellent. And also want to say thank you very much to Paul for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Paul.
4: A pleasure, man. Lots of fun.
2: And thank you so much to our very own David, the uh, macaroni guy for hanging out and talking <laughs> with us tonight. A.K.A. <laughs> a cartoon
3: guy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank I, you I had her. a lot of fun. This was a really interesting uh, topic because this episode just kind of threw in Deep Space Nine in there, and it was really fun. It was good.
2: And thank you to our very own Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you,
0: Eric. I had a great time as always, guys. Thank you so much for being Star Trek nerds, just like me.
2: Yep. We're (laughs) here for you. And thank you to our very own Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles.
0: Oh, thank
5: you. It's always a fun episode.
2: And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim saying, please, everybody, be good to each other and stay safe. Star Trek fans, are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody.
4: Live well, long and prosper. Good night, humans.
2: <laughs> Let's see what's out there. Engage.